Amen. Go ahead and take a seat and take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We began last week by looking at three Christmas songs that are found in the Gospel of Luke. We started with the song of Zacharias, and we will end with the song of Simeon, Lord willing, next Sunday. But for this morning, I want us to look at the song of the angels, the song of the angels. Martin Luther said, we are often so cold and so indifferent to the great joy that has been given to us because this is indeed the greatest gift. It far exceeds all other gifts that God has given, the gift of Christ. And yet, we believe so sluggishly Even though the angels proclaim and preach and sing and their lovely song sums up the whole Christian faith because glory to God in the highest is the very heart of worship. Are you sluggish this morning in your meditation of Christ? That's why we're turning to these songs. Remember we talked about last week, these songs are showstoppers. Somebody breaks out in song in the midst of dialogue and narrative going on. Somebody stops everything breaks out in song. Some truths are just so amazing that they cannot be spoken. They have to be sung. And so we are going to enjoy the show-stopping tune of the angels. And then we're going to sing in response to their instruction to our hearts this morning. But why? Why are we looking at this song? What does this song teach us? The song of the angels that you know that we sing What does this song teach us? I believe it teaches us three reasons. I think there are three reasons why this song had to be sung by the angels. I think there are three reasons, three glorious truths that are shown and demonstrated by this song. So Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Let's look at the first reason why this song needed to be sung. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men, or or God's glory and peace is going to be given to those with whom he is well pleased. Why does this song have to be sung? Number one is because God's glory is breaking forth. The first reason that this song needed to be sung by the angels is because God's glory is breaking forth. Look at verse 8, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region of Bethlehem where Jesus is being born, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, and they're keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds, they're lowly, they're humble, they're actually unclean. They could not go into the temple. In fact, they were uh, used by God to uh, raise up and to tend to the lambs that were going to be slaughtered. Many of these lambs in front of them that they're taking care of are going to be slaughtered for the Passover in place of sinful people. Something has to die because of our sinfulness, because of our guilt, because of our shame. And these shepherds are taking care of the sheep that God had said needed to die in our place, an innocent life in the place of the guilty. There's nothing special about the shepherds. They're unclean, they're lowly, they're humble. There's nothing special about them. And that's why there's something special about them, because God does not go to the high and lofty and exalted people. God goes to the humble and the lowly. And he goes into this region in Bethlehem through these angels out in a field. It's out in the middle of nowhere, in a field, on the outskirts of Bethlehem, to shepherds. It'd be like an announcement today being given to someone at a truck stop in Bakersfield. Like, this is, this is odd. I, I believe that the angels, as they show up, 
Maybe this first angel who shows up to give the announcement, maybe he kind of looks at his GPS and goes, is this the right coordinates? Like, this can't be where I'm supposed to be going. And yet this is exactly where God wants to demonstrate his glory breaking forth to lowly people. An angel of the Lord, verse 9, suddenly stands before them, and the glory of the Lord is breaking forth around them, shining around them, and they're terribly frightened. They're filled with fear. That's why the angel's going to say, fear not. That's always the first phrase that the angels say to people when they come into contact with humans. That must be the first thing that you learn in angel school, is you have to start by greeting people with, don't be afraid. It's okay. You'll be okay. Why do they have to say that? Why is that always the knee-jerk reaction of human beings in the presence of an angel? Well, I, I think that God's glory, though a beautiful thing and a glorious thing, it's also a terrifying thing because he is holy and we are not. His holiness, glory, God's glory is just his holiness on display. You remember in Isaiah chapter 6, the angels are singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his what? Glory. So they're all obsessed about his holiness, right? Holy, holy, holy. But they say the earth is filled with his glory because his holiness is obviously seen and savored in heaven. But here on earth, his holiness is put on display. Holiness going public is his glory. So if holiness of God goes public in front of humanity, sinful humanity, fallen creatures will always be terrified in the presence of a holy and glorious God. The shepherds are terrified because God's holiness is on display in front of them. And that's why the angel has to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because the news that I'm bringing to you this morning or this evening, rather, the news that I'm giving to you undoes the fear that you have. You're afraid, and it's good that you're afraid. You're in the presence of holiness. You're terrified. It's good. But the news that I am bringing to you undoes what you need to be afraid of. One commentator says, Humanity has nothing to fear when God moves in grace. We have nothing to fear if God's going to move in grace. R.C. Sproul says, What every human being needs to be saved from is God. The last thing in the world that an impenitent sinner wants to meet on the other side of the grave is God. But the glory of the gospel is that the one from whom we need to be saved is the very one who saves us. So His holiness is on display, the shepherds are terrified, and the announcement of the angels is that God has come in grace not to judge, but to save. God's glory is breaking So the angel says, verse 10, do not be afraid because I am bringing you news that undoes what you are afraid of. So God's glory is breaking forth. That's the first reason this song needed to be sung. This is an advent, a coming of the glory of God like never before seen. So we have to sing. The second reason we have to sing, the angels had to sing, is because, number two, God's goodness is being proclaimed. God's glory is breaking forth and God's goodness is being proclaimed. The angel says in verse 10, don't be afraid because, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Good news. That's the word gospel. That's the Greek word euangelion, to evangelize. I'm evangelizing you is what the angel's saying. I'm bringing you the gospel. The gospel is news. It's not counsel on what steps you should take in order to get to God. The the gospel is news that God has already come to you. 
The gospel is not, here's a list of things you need to do in order to make God happy with you. The gospel is, here's what God has done to make him happy with you on your behalf. He's done all the work, so you have nothing to do. It's news. This word, euangelion, would have been used back in that day to make an announcement from the government that either a new king is being installed or there was a victorious uh, fight, a war had been won, or a battle had been won. It's just declaring, right? The herald would say, hear ye, hear ye. Here's news. The king has come. There's a new king. The king has won. That's what the angel is doing here. And this is going to bring great joy. It's the gospel of great joy. It's not just the gospel that brings joy. It brings great joy. The Greek word for great, you guys know it. In, in Greek, it's megas. This is mega joy. This isn't just, hey, this is great, awesome. This is mega joy. This is the earth-shattering joy. This is joy that means you cannot keep in the song in your heart. You have to express it. And this good news is going to be for all the people. There's no one people group that's excluded from this. This is going to be for all the people. Everyone's involved in this. It's for anybody who wants to partake. God is coming not to judge, but to save. This is incredible news. That's why there's so much joy in this passage. God is coming to give us his goodness. He's coming to declare that we, though sinful and deserving of the penalty against our sin, for our sin, Jesus is going to make a way that we don't have to worry about that penalty anymore. He's going to pay the debt on our behalf. This is the greatest news imaginable. God's goodness is spilling forth in this proclamation. And these shepherds, they're getting just a glimpse of it. That's why their reaction is going to be, let's go see. They run, and they're going to share this news with everybody because this is news that has to be proclaimed. This is, this is just a sliver of the glory of God, and they're seeing it, and they're savoring it, and they just say, we cannot keep this quiet. We have to tell everyone about this. And it's only just a sliver. You and I have had that experience, right? You go to, you go to Costco, the only real reason to go to Costco is for the samples. So you go to Costco, you're eating the samples, and then you, you hit that one sample that you eat and you go, give me whatever this is, right? You have, you have performed your job well, I will take 30 boxes of whatever this is, just pile them into my cart, you've won, right? Most of the time, that experience at Costco is like, I'm going to win, because they think that they're going to get me to buy their stuff, but I'm just here for free food. But when, when there's just the sliver, that just tiny little sample size that you savor and you go, this is amazing. I, I, need, I need more of this. I need all of this. That's what's happening here. The, the shepherds here, there's good news of great joy for everyone, and they're just getting a tiny little sampling of that glory. And they say, we need to share it with everyone. God's glory is breaking forth, number one. That's why we need to sing. That's why the angels need to sing. Number two, God's goodness is being proclaimed. That's why the angels have to sing. But number three, in the announcement of the angels, number three, the reason why they must sing is because God is meeting our greatest need. God's glory is breaking forth. God's goodness is being proclaimed. But God is meeting our greatest need. That's the announcement that the angel is making. And he says it in verse 11, because today... In the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There's four titles for Jesus in this verse. 
One is being born in the city of David. That's a, a fulfillment of the prophecy. The Messiah was going to be born from the lineage of David in the city of David. So this is a fulfillment. He is the Messiah, the, the prophesied one. And he's been born for you, and he is a Savior who is Christ. Christ is just the Greek word, Christos, for the Hebrew word Messiah. Messiah just means anointed one or a king, somebody who's going to rule. So a king has been born for you. He's in the city of David. He's the Messiah. He is the Lord. You are underneath him. You submit to him. He's over you. He's Lord. He's a baby, but he's Lord. As we sing, maker of Mary, yet Mary's son. Mary's taking care of the one who made her in a little manger. So he's born in the city of David. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. But number four, he's the Savior. He's the Savior. This is our greatest need. Our greatest need is we, we must be saved. We talked about this in Zechariah's song last week. God has brought redemption to his people. We cannot redeem ourselves. We don't have the ability to pay the penalty, to pay the debt that we owe because of our sin. So we need somebody to do that work for us. We are hopeless and helpless. That's why we sing songs that sometimes sound like funeral dirges, right? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Just, you feel like crying during that. There's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope. Ransom us. We need help. And then the refrain, oh, rejoice, because Emmanuel has come to save you, to set you free. Remember last week we talked about uh, Israel thought their biggest need was uh, freedom from their political oppressor, Rome. Their greatest need is freedom from God's wrath, freedom from judgment against sin. And that's why the angel says, a Savior has been born. Somebody is going to save you. He's going to save you. A Savior is born. We know the end of this story. We know how Jesus does the saving. He saves us by taking our place, by bearing our judgment, our penalty. We know how he does the saving. And so here, at his birth, his death is being announced. At his birth, his death is being announced. This is why uh, I think the, the, first son, the first Christmas message that we ever had at CBC, we talked about the gifts of the wise men. Gold makes sense. He's a king. Frankincense, strange, but makes sense because it's an offering of incense that would be used by a priest to pray, to mediate between God and man. And so well, that makes sense, that this is the God-man who's going to mediate between God and man. But myrrh, we sang it earlier, bring him incense, gold and myrrh. What's myrrh? Myrrh is a, a spice that would be used to embalm dead people so that as they decayed, it wouldn't smell as bad. You'd go back in. You remember the women on that third day of the week on Sunday after Jesus had died, they go with the spices to embalm Jesus. That would be a weird gift. It'd be a pretty insensitive gift. That would be like somebody walking into a hospital room after you've just had a, a baby boy and they have the little balloon that says, Hooray, it's a boy, congratulations. And in their other arm, they have a, a little coffin. Here, this is for you. But that's exactly what the angel's saying. This baby has been born to save you, and the only way he can save you is taking your place. So him being a savior means he's born to die. 
He's placed into a trough that's made out of wood and his life will end on a cross made of wood. He's placed uh, in a trough wrapped with swaddling cloths and his life will end wrapped in linen wrappings laid in a tomb. One author says it this way, Christmas in reality is disturbing. When I look into the manger, I come away shaken as I realize again that he was born for the reason of paying the unbearable penalty for my sin. So my question to you this morning is, what do you see when you look into this manger? What do you see when you look into the manger? Do you come away shaken? Is it disturbing to you to see that Jesus' sole purpose of being born was so that he could live to die? Christmas is only comforting after it's first disturbing. When you realize that Jesus was born to die for you, then Christmas can become comforting because you see your need for a Savior and you hear these words from the angel, a Savior has been born to you. Christmas is comforting when we look at the baby in the manger taking our place. That's why the angel says a very strange statement in verse 11. Unto you is born this day. Unto you. If I'm Mary, I'm thinking, I did the work. I pushed this kid out. He's mine. He's born to me, right? But the angel says, no, unto you. It's your baby, shepherds. And I believe the angel says through the shepherds to you and to me this morning, this baby's yours. This is your baby. It's almost like you know those little tags that we put on presents to, colon, from, colon. This, this is the present of Jesus himself, and he's wrapped with a little tag that says, to you, from God. This is a baby that's born for you. And in order to understand Christmas rightly, you have to know that Jesus was born for you. He's not just born to tell a beautiful story with Joseph and Mary. And in fact, if you really think about the story, it's a weird story if he isn't born for you. He's born for you. J.I. Packer says it this way, the Christmas message is that there is hope for ruined humanity, hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, and hope of glory because of the Father's will. Jesus became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later he might hang on a cross. It is the most wonderful message that the world has ever heard or will ever hear. He's born for you, and he's your Savior. Verse 12, here's a sign for you. Now, normally, if you're making a gospel announcement, a euangelion, if you're evangelizing people, giving them good news, a king has been uh, coronated in uh, the new kingdom. He's going to rule and reign, and here's a sign. They put a placard up. Or if they'd conquered somebody, they'd they'd bring in the dead body and say, see, the old king is dead. There would be a sign. It's a shock and awe kind of a sign. Here's a sign that says the king is here and you better fear him. But this is the sign that the angel declares. This is the sign you will see. You will find a baby who's wrapped in cloths and is lying in a manger. He's not wrapped in purple. He's not sitting in a gold-plated bed. He's in a feeding trough, lowly in a manger. It's no wonder he went to shepherds, right? A lowly king going to lowly shepherds, born to die. Verse 13, And suddenly 
there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying that normally, most of the time in Scripture, one angel is plenty good enough to get the job done. You just need one. But this angel by himself cannot get this job done. This angel behind him is greeted with too many angels to count. We don't even know how many there were. One angel announces the news and then all of these myriad of angels show up around him to respond to the news. One angel says, this is what has happened and everybody praises God because of it. All these angels show up to praise God. Just imagine the joy of this choir. Just put yourself in the shepherd's sandals. You're already in fear because you see one angel and now countless angels just show up. Maybe you can't even see. Maybe you're just doing this because there's so much brilliant glory shining off of these angels. And the, the sound, what would the sound have been like? Some of you went uh, opening night to see the new Star Wars movie. I'm not afraid to I'm not ashamed to say I am a Star Wars nerd. I went opening night. And the theater that I was in, after the little Lucasfilm symbol goes off, and then a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, and then it goes black, and everybody knows what's coming next, right? Just this bombastic fanfare. Boom! Just loud. And you're sitting in this chair, and my chair goes back, and I was sitting holding it, and I pressed the button as the thing went, and I went, boom! <laughs> went backwards. And that's just in a movie theater. Imagine the volume that these angels are making. Maybe a couple of the, angels, the shepherds are plugging their ears. This is so loud. And they sing. This is their song. It's very simple. It's very small. But they cannot hold this song in any longer. It's a response to the news. Imagine how long they've practiced this song. Imagine how long they've been waiting to sing this song. And here they sing it. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. You know that uh, in Latin, we sing that song in Latin, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, or as my daughter says, it's her song because it's Gloria in Chelsea's Deo. Uh, so it's a, it's a Latin phrase that's uh, saying this phrase, glory to God in the highest. Glory is the idea of uh, kavod in the Old Testament. It's something that's weighty. Uh, doxa in the New Testament, something that's brilliant, it's bright. So this is something so weighty and serious, so brilliant and bright. God deserves all of the glory because we're standing in sobriety in his holiness. We're standing in awe of his goodness. Glory to God in the highest. This is uh, the, the highest of, of highest glories, the, the brightest of brightest brilliance. This is the, the highest praise that can be given. So glory to God, and on earth peace is given. On earth peace. This is shalom. Very interesting that they would announce this because this is during the Pax Romana. This is during the time of peace in the Roman Empire. And the angels say, Rome does not have anything on God's peace. They've not brought peace. God's bringing true shalom, peace with God that allows you to have peace with man. Peace among men with whom he is pleased. It's a weird phrase, kind of hard to translate it, with whom God is pleased or uh, goodwill towards all men. Some translations say it's not that, it's more of a selected group of people. It's with whom God wants to give his good pleasure to. 
Just like the shepherds, God picked who he was going to make this announcement to, so too he's going to pick who he's going to give this glory to. John 3 tells us that he has said, anybody can get in on this. He's given us the ability. If you would but repent, turn in faith and trust in Christ. We have the greatest problem in the world, and God conquers it through this little baby by sending the greatest greatness there is and offering him to the world. One missionary was trying to translate this verse. Couldn't figure out how to translate the word peace. And so he translated it this way. God is in heaven, and he's just so good that all the people who live in this world, if God's heart is happy with them, then their fear is all gone now. All gone now. All of these truths point to the hope that's found in the person of Jesus. Can I just ask you this morning, is your fear all gone now? My daughter asked me recently, uh, Dad, are you afraid to die? And I said, no, I'm not afraid to die. And she asked, why? I said, I would be afraid to die if I knew that I had to bear the penalty for my own sin. But because I know that somebody has taken my place and I trust in him and it's not my goodness that's going to get me to heaven, but it's his goodness that's going to get me to heaven and I just trust in him to do that work, I don't have to be afraid of dying. 1 Corinthians 15, God has taken away the sting of death because the sting of death is sin and the penalty for sin. But since God's removed the penalty for sin, the sting of death is gone. So when Jesus was born, we had hope that God would speak again and would not leave us in the dark. When Jesus was born, we had hope that all the promises that God made would come true. When Jesus was born and he sent his son into the world, this is the absolute guarantee that God will do everything he's ever promised to do. When Jesus was born, we had hope that the Lamb of God would once and for all take away our sins. When Jesus was born, we had hope of our second birth even being possible. When Jesus was born, he simply changed everything. So Daryl Bach says it this way, in a real sense, the story of Jesus is our story, told to us and for us, just as if we had been among those angels on that night near Bethlehem. What the angels announced to the shepherds that night is announced on behalf of all of humanity. Their journey to see these things should be every person's journey to see what God is up to in Jesus. What is God up to in Jesus? Their sense of amazement should be matched by our own sense of amazement. The best way we show our amazement is with the response of a grateful, faithful walk that has ample donations of praise. Perhaps after almost 2,000 years of, of publicity about Jesus, the church takes the amazing involvement of God with us in Emmanuel for granted. May we never take the Christmas story for granted. Brothers and sisters, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have reason to sing May our worship exceed that of the angels and the shepherds because of our vantage point of what's taken place. We are after the cross. We're after the resurrection. So with a song in its heart, heaven sent Jesus to earth on that first Christmas. And if heaven had a song to send, then with what we know in our vantage point, we should have a myriad of songs to sing. God, we thank you that your glory has broken forth for all to see. We thank you that your goodness has been proclaimed for all to hear and to savor and to adore. And God, we thank you that you have met our greatest need. 
not political freedom, but the freedom of no fear of future wrath. No fear. And so, God, we have reason to sing. If those shepherds had reason to run and spread the news, we have reason to run and tell those around us. God is for us, not against us. If the angels had reason to sing, how much more so do we have reason to sing? And so, God, I pray that our singing would be loud because of the the beauty of the message that was proclaimed by these angels, declaring once and for all, a Savior has been born, who is Christ the Lord.